So I'm going to share the word with you this morning. We are in our On The Rock series. It has been an incredible three weeks. Today is week four. Studying the words of Jesus. He is our preacher for this series. And looking at what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Three chapters, the book of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. And it starts with what it means to have a blessed life. Or the, the better meaning for that word blessed that Jesus used is what it means to be happy and to be envied. That's what Jesus said. And I was thinking about it, had some conversations this morning as maybe you're not feeling it, maybe you are, but there's really a war at the moment for a whole lot of people. Are you part of that? You want to put up your hand and say, yes, I can relate. I think it's because we're contending for the fullness and the blessing of God that the enemy is trying everything to try and seal that which we are contending for away from us. So we've done the first three Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn their brokenness and their sin. Blessed are those who are meek, who understand that there's strength, but it's under control and under the command of Jesus Christ. And this morning we're going to be studying Matthew 5 verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Yes, I had an incredible time this week reading this, studying it. It's one of my personal favorite life verses, one of those that you can just pull off quickly and quote and that you align your life to. But this week, the depths again that I found in it is, is endless of, of saying, God, reveal to me what this means. And it's incredible when we, when we study to see how the word of God never runs out it never runs dry. It's always ready to thirst, to satisfy our thirsty souls. And I believe this morning we won't just speak about this, but we'll see the fulfillment of this promise today as we pray for people at the end. I want to pull your attention quickly to the incredible way that Jesus put the Beatitudes together. When I studied it this week, I just looked at it and I was completely blown away by the artistry and the, the structuring of the Beatitudes how clever and intentful Jesus was in putting it together. He's the ultimate wordsmith. He just knows how to put things, put things in a way that there's so much hidden treasures in it. And I want you to take a deeper look with me at the Beatitudes, and I want to show you a few things on, on all of them. First up is the first three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, and the meek. Number one, two, three. Then number four, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Then number five, six, and seven, blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, and the peacemakers. And then we see number eight there, which includes righteousness again. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Now, if you look at that, it's quite amazing to, to see this. And I want you to see this this morning, because I believe the one that we're on today speaks so much into the first three that we discussed. The first three speaks about a place of, of need, a place of identifying that you are poor in spirit, that you are grieving and mourning your states and your sin before God, and that you can and should be in a place of meekness and that you need Jesus for the strength that you need. And that's the first three we've done. And then he says, when you identify yourself in a place of need, start to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because righteousness is the only thing that can truly supply all the need that we just talked about. Isn't that clever how Jesus says this? And then the following three are the results or the fruit of righteousness. You will then be merciful. You will then be pure in heart and you will be a peacemaker. 
That's incredible. The way he said it. Aren't you excited about the Bible as I am today? And then he ends it and says, and here's the, the final part of it. You will then be persecuted for that righteousness. Because that's the world we live in. The world does not like hearing. Don't satisfy yourself with earthly stuff. That's what we're gonna talk about today in its rough version. Satisfy yourself with Jesus. So once we've done that and we become merciful, the offense of the cross, that the worst sinner who's even taken lives or whatever they've done can come to the cross and be completely set free. The world doesn't like that either. And when you step into the situations in a world where there's this discord and you bring peace, and when you live purely, where you don't agree with the nonsense and the sin that's around us, you're gonna be persecuted for righteousness' sake. And when you look at it as a unit, you start seeing what well, Jesus was very, very clever in what he's teaching us. And I'm excited to see oaks of righteousness, as the Bible says, stand up in this church, in this community, who are ready for the persecution that's about to come, because we're taking a stand for that which is true in the word of God. What I like about this one specifically, Jesus uses something that I love, and it's food. Anyone want to agree with that? He uses the most essential human need to describe the longing and the desire we should have after him. Food. I went to a bride this week. I won't mention any names. Some of you were there. And um, I needed to go home at some point, but it was quarter past 10 and we still didn't eat the steak that was promised. <laughs> and at some point you're just like, oh my goodness, I'm so hungry. I'm not a traditional Afrikaans bride boer which lights the fire and then relights it and relights it and relights it so that you only eat at 11 o'clock. And by that time, you've had so much chips that you're not really in the mood for the meat anymore. I bry the meat and I eat it because I'm hungry and I can't wait for it. And Jesus uses this analogy. He says, the way that you desire that red velvet cupcake or your first coffee in the morning or the roast that's about to happen after this and the way that you become thirsty, that's the sense of what I'm trying to teach you. You should have that after me. I'm one of those weird people that I like watching these videos where they make food. Oh my word, there's some incredible stuff. On Instagram, there's this thing called Foodies of SA, where they take all the traditional South African things, uh, ingredients like uh, Mrs. Ball's chutney and all these things, and they come up with the most incredible recipes, but it's all done on video. By the time I've watched three or four of these, I'm just, I'm just watering at the mouth. I'm like, I've got to go make one of these and enjoy it. But Jesus says the way that after days of being hungry and, and sitting in a long service because Pierre was preaching too long and you just want to get out of here because you want to eat your lunch, that's the kind of sense you should have after me the whole time and an increased sense of that because it's not just hunger, but it's thirst as well. The worst thing is to be hungry and thirsty at the same time when you don't even have water to drink that complete place of drought. Because we are poor in spirit, because we mourn that, because we, we are meek before Jesus, we come to a place like Jesus, but then we are so hungry after you. The challenge that comes in and the challenge that God presents to us in his word is that he has placed eternity in our hearts. So longing and desire will be a continued state of the heart of man. That's why we sing songs like, there is more of you to find. 
Because in the end, we can taste and see that he is good and there's a satisfaction, but then our hearts just wrong for him again. And there's a restlessness because there's more of God to find. That's why we come up with phrases like the grass is greener on the other side. We look at things like, yes, that family has got it. I wish I had that. I went visiting with Wamyohan and the Fasakis this week and where they stay there's borehole water and the grass was truly greener on the other side because of the complex that weights the, the grass. And it was a beautiful sight to see these days. We don't see it that often. But the human heart was created to yearn and long after God, to yearn and desire something. That's why we can completely and always be blessed and envied and happy because we can always be in a state of hunger and thirsting after Jesus. And he's always ready to pour out what he has for us when we do so and to satisfy us. Sadly, what we do in this world is it's like trying to hold sand. It's not really possible to hold on to sand because it just slips through our hands the whole time. I went this morning and stole, stole some sand from Gordon's Bay Beach. Some people looked at me awkwardly. But sand is something that you can't really hold on to. And what we do, because of this desires that we have after him, we think it's after things, or after relationships, or after moments, or after holidays, or after the next thing that you're gonna buy, or materialism, or money, or all these things. I love the words of that song. It's not gold and silver that I desire. Jesus, it's you, because it's the only thing that satisfies. And we grab hold of sand in this world. We're like, if I can just have that, and the next moment we open our hands and it's disappeared. Or if I can just get that relationship, then my life will be better and it doesn't work out and we're broken again because we were created from the start to hunger and thirst after God. And all these things are blessings and favor and Him bestowing on us a good life here on earth. But at the core, are we hunger and thirsting after him. C.S. Lewis, I love these words. If I find in myself desires which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. So now we, we think, I can, if I can just have that or just get to that moment or uh, three more weeks and it's holiday because I desperately need it and yes, we need to rest. We should get to a place like there's desires that nothing in this world can satisfy. So I'm just gonna go to the source of those desires and that's God, because he's ready to pour himself out into me. I believe we can live like that in today's world. You might sit there thinking, Pierre, what are you talking about? That's silly. We need food, we need rest. Yes, you need these things. And you know who knows that as well? is your father in heaven. Because he said, first seek the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Your father in heaven knows that you need food. Your father in heaven knows that you need clothes. Your Father in heaven knows what you need. Don't chase after such things because that's not gonna fulfill the temporary desire that we have here on earth for the things of the earth. Listen to the words of John Piper on this, on this matter. God has put eternity in our hearts and we have an inconsolable longing. Restlessness and longing are universal parts of the human heart. Many of you are like this. Your soul is hungry and your heart is thirsty. You feel an insatiable longing for something and you become restless. Almost everywhere you turn, the grass is greener than where you stand. And the great tragedy for some is that even though it is the Spirit of God beckoning you to Himself, you turn to other things 
time and time again. I want to be in a place where, like Job, I just have God and it's enough. We read the story of Job as if he was a superhuman, as if that can't happen today, that one man loses everything. I know some stories of people that's been there, and the most profound ones are those who say, in that I found God, and I got to stand up and say, you give, you take away God, and I can still say that blessed is your name because I hunger and thirst after you. We were made to desire. What are we hunger and thirsting after? Let me explain this to you. It's righteousness. Some of you might not know what this word means. So I'm gonna try and explain it to you briefly. But in its essence, when you study the origin of the word and the depth of it, it means to be in a place of justice and justification. Righteousness is where, because of the cross, because of what God has done, he steps in and says, everything you've done has now been dealt with. You are just, you are divinely okay in my presence and I've justified you. You are clean you are pure and you stand before me right. That's what it means to be righteous, to stand in the right manner before God. Do we desire that? Do we desire every day when we wake up, say, God, I wanna end this day to say, I stood in the right manner before you. Because apparently too, according to the word, that is the only desire that is satisfied in the end. A desire to be justified in the presence of God. And how apt that this message comes right before the weekend where we celebrate Jesus. Next week, during the Passover feast of what he's done for us. I thought about that, it's Palm Sunday today. That's where they did that, where they laid out the palms and celebrated the arrival of Jesus coming into Jerusalem because they were hungry and thirsty for righteousness that the Messiah was gonna bring. Righteousness in its simplest form is being pure of heart before God. It's standing in a place where you have been divinely approved are one of the terms that's used when we study the word in its Hebrew origin. In the Old Testament, people were divinely approved through following the law. So not a lot of them desired righteousness because it meant a whole lot of work. I love how Abram was accounted righteous before God because of his faith. I think of more people in that time were like Abram, faith-filled, really hungry and thirsting after the Spirit of God that they would have enjoyed like David, meditating on his law and actually seeing the law as life and enjoying it. Now we in the new covenant have Jesus and he's come to fulfill that law and because of grace we come and we stand justified in a minute but then do we desire to remain in that place of justification and purity before him? Because Jesus said, you'll be blessed and happy when you do, when that's the thing that you hunger and thirst after. Question this morning to all of us is, where do you drink from and what do you eat? Is this still life? Do you still see this, the bread, the words of Jesus that you need to eat? Or have we forsaken where we eat and we drink from and supposed to and trying to fill it with other things. Two scriptures that challenges our pursuit of where we get our fill from out of the Old Testament speaks of this very thing. Ricky quoted it this morning. I don't know whether he got hold of my, my notes, but Isaiah 55. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and you labor for that which do not satisfy? 
Hearken diligently to me and eat that what is good. And delight yourself in abundance. The abundant life is not everything we want in this earth and everything we get to enjoy in an earthly manner. The abundant life is where we come to a place where our hearts are so turned to Jesus that we are overflowing with him. And then we get to enjoy the things in this world that he gives us so much better. It's like Abram, after God dealt with Isaac, who's taken the throne in his heart, I believe he enjoyed Isaac much more than before. Because now he could enjoy the boy without the, the tension of, God, but is he, is he the one that I'm, I'm really living my life for? Because he knew then, no, I'm living it for God. Now let me enjoy the pleasures and life forevermore that I find because of you. Incline your ear and come close to me, hear that your soul may live. This morning, God is inviting some of you to say, incline your ear and come close to me. Hear what I have that your soul may live. If you're in a soul-thirsty place, incline your ear to Jesus this morning. Okay, but this is weird, Pierre. It says, don't work for food. Well, I know I've got to work for food because I've got to get food on the table. Yes, that's correct. It's a matter of the heart. What are you pursuing? And then when you enjoy your food, do you enjoy it with gladness, as the Bible tells you to, because you know it's not getting in the way of your heart after Jesus. That's what he is saying. Didn't Jesus say that my food is to do the will of the Father? That's what it means to desire righteousness, to say, God, in every situation, at work, in the family, every decision I need to make, every time I spend money, God, is this your will? Because I wanna stand right before you and live away and in a way that, that speaks of your righteousness and purity. That's what it means to hunger and thirst. Another scripture, quite a strong one out of Jeremiah 2. God speaking to the people of Israel saying, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. What he's saying is that people have neglected drinking from the wellspring of life. They are drinking not the water that I'm supplying to them anymore, the fountain of life, the very thing that created them. They're saying, I'm not interested. I'm not gonna drink that anymore. And then what they do is they build containers that are broken to hold whatever water they have in it, but it's not sustainable because that which they put in there is wrong and it also dissipates and disappears through the cracks. And then some of us run with our containers and we're like, God, you know what? Yes, I, I love you and I thirst after you, but here are my conditions. And we hold our containers and just fill me up, Jesus. But they are broken cisterns. And the things just get lost because we're not pursuing him. We're not running after Jesus first, the kingdom first, his righteousness first, and all these things will follow. And I'm standing here and I'm holding attention because I know we preach these things, but do we actually live him? Can we look ourselves in the mirror and say, yes, God, I truly and wholeheartedly pursue your kingdom and your righteousness above everything else? I had to ask myself that question so many times this week before I could stand here and preach this message. Because I fall short, I fail. I do fall in the trap of the broken systems of this world and try and, and, and find my fill there at times. And that's why the cross is so beautiful because we can come back and say, Jesus, I lost that first love. Bring me back to a place where I'm justified and right before you and I hunger and I thirst after that. So we hunger and thirst for righteousness and what's the payoff? What's the blessing? You'll be satisfied. And listen to this, the word satisfied, kartazo, means to be fattened. 
Isn't that beautiful? And that's, that's really amazing because you can eat as much as you want and you'll be spiritually fattened, but people won't see it here on earth. <laughs> so if there's one thing that there's no rules, just eat as much as you'd like, then it's here. And that excited me because I really like food and I could eat much more than I do. But be fattened and completely filled. A very simple illustration this morning. I've got a balloon here. And a balloon was designed to hold air. Well, some of the kids are saying, no, water. Water <laughs> balloon fight. But it can't hold the same amount of water than it does air. And what it means is that God designed us like this to be fattened and filled and satisfied with him. Yet, most of us end up looking like this. It's a little bit of sand in the bottom. And, and, and we think we want to be full and we go and we grab the sands of this life and like, if I can just get it in there and we work really hard for those things that we want and desire, then I can truly become full and we fill it up and there's gotta be a little bit more space. And I've got some, some things in here. I've got some money, some coins. And we say, listen, if I can just get, get a little bit of that in there, a little bit more money, I'll, I'll get full. And we, and we really struggle for that. Like I'm struggling at the moment. Then, then I'll be full and we, we get it in there at some point and like, okay, but I'm still not in my full potential. And then we see another person and another person has got a whole lot of stuff. And like, I've got some Lego people that I'm gonna try and force in there. Like, look at their relationships and it all seems so great. And, 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 and they've got all the things that I wish I had and, and the kids and, and they must truly be full. And we start comparing. And like, and not only does she have a full fold and a, and a loving husband and the money, but if you, if, you, if you see her fashion sense and all her clothes, and, and, and I want that, and we start trying to put that in our body, and, and, then, and then we get to the, the end of this season, and the next season, the clothes, we stand in front of our cupboard like, I don't have anything to wear. But there's hundreds of pieces of clothing. Because the world shouts, you have to look like this, you'll be satisfied. And you look at a wardrobe like, oh my goodness, I'm unsatisfied. Isn't that true? And we try and fill ourselves, and in the end, we, we, we look measly like this with not a whole lot in the inside. There's not much in here. In fact, there's some sand and a few coins. But we end up comparing ourselves to one another like this, and we think, if I just have what they have, that relationship, that money, that thing, I'll be full. You'll never be full. This balloon is not reaching its potential. What God designed for us is to be fattened. And if you compare these two, which one do you want? This one. That's what it means to be filled because you're hunger and thirst after Jesus. And as we said in the beginning, being poor in spirit, these things stand outside. There's no relationship in this world that will fill you and satisfy you. It's Jesus, and then when he is in your marriage, and in your parenting, and in your relationships on earth, there's a sense of satisfaction and joy to be found. But you can't compare it to this in the end. And this is the essence of, of what Jesus knows we go through as humans. There's a constant war in the human soul between being filled with things 
instead of being filled with him. And he comes in and he addresses it right there. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. That's what I love about the Bible because we never know if there was a massive dramatic pause before he said, for righteousness. They might have think, yes, we hunger and thirst. Yes, there's stuff we want. There's for righteousness. For they shall be filled. And we find this war in ourselves constantly. God, I want you, but yeah, I want this as well. And we even twist verses in the Bible. Psalm 37 verse four. If I delight in Jesus and I, I love him and I follow him, yeah, I can desire anything and he will give it to me. Wrong interpretation. If I delight in Jesus, the very desires that I'm gonna find in my heart are the ones that he places there. And it looks so different from the ones that I think I should have. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it challenging? Here's the essence of what I wanna share. And Almarie, maybe you and Elena can come join me on stage. We see a moment like this taking place in John chapter six. Jesus did one of the most profound miracles, one of those that we often preach about and we all know about. He multiplied the bread and the fish and he just fed a multitude of people with a few small little measly things that the Father in heaven knows that we need. And then he sends, right after that, he tells his disciple, gather the baskets, and he sends them immediately across the lake and said, go to the other side. And then something happened. They, they're on the way, and there was a massive storm. You know the story, and how they were fearful. After they saw the most incredible miracle, they're still afraid. That, isn't that how we live? And then Jesus calms the storm. But then the next morning was interesting the crowds that Jesus just fed woke up and they saw that the boats were on the way to the other side and they started scurrying around like, let's go find Jesus. And, and, and they, they make a plan and they all go across the lake to find Jesus. And when they found him on the other side, they said to him, Rabbi, why did you come here? <laughs> we own you back there. Why are you coming this way? And Jesus discerned immediately what they were hunger and thirsting after. And he said this, truly I say to you, you're not seeking me. You saw the signs and because you ate your fill of the loaves. You've come all this way just because I gave you something that momentarily fills and satisfies you. Jesus goes in and he challenges it immediately. And then he says, do not work for the food that perishes. He quotes Isaiah but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And then they start a debate. They think they can debate with Jesus. They said, yeah, but what signs have you given us? There was a sign in the wilderness when Moses gave us manna. We haven't seen a sign like that anymore. And Jesus challenges back, don't ever go into apologetics conversation with Jesus. You're not gonna win. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread. Again, they're still seeking for the bread, the temporary satisfaction. But my Father gives you the true bread that comes from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread eventually. Some of you are saying, okay, yes, Jesus, I want this hunger and thirst after you. And Jesus said to them, I, the person, the relationship, the individual Jesus, I'm the one you should seek. I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The Jews grumbled. They didn't agree with that. They said, how can he? What's the audacity for him to say that he's got the answer, that he is the answer? Isn't that the world out there? How dare these Christians say that satisfaction is in Jesus? We're gonna chase these temporary things. And when they look, they can't hold the sand any longer. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's the invitation. The invitation this morning is Jesus saying to you, pursue me. Come after me. I am the righteousness of God. If you hunger and thirst after me, you will be filled. God is saying that thing that you've been thinking is gonna fill you up and you've been disappointed time and time again, put that aside this morning and come and drink and eat from my fill. This morning we prayed and God showed us a prophetic picture of, of a lady with makeup and how she comes into the presence of God and he gives her a piece of cotton wool and she starts taking off the makeup because there was a false identity that she's presented to the world. Say, I'm okay, got the face, everything is good. According to the worldly standards, I'm in an okay position. And God's saying, no, you're not. I wanna come and clean all that stuff off of you so that you can be filled with me. You know what's amazing about the picture that he gave us? How pure and white that cotton wool is and how soft it is. That's the comfort of the spirit coming and saying, I'm gonna wipe those things away so that you can stand before me just how I made you and that you desire nothing else in this world but me.